today, Fortune Kid is turning into the Divine Fits uh, podcast because we've got Britt Daniel here. Hey. We've got Dan here. Hey. And it's almost like me and Alex are the guests on the Divine Fits uh, podcast here. So how things been? Uh, you said you're in L.A. right now instead of Austin? Yeah, I've been in Austin pretty much the whole time. And then um, I've driven out to L.A. and back a couple times. Whoa. And the drives, the drives are good. The drives do me good. Do you do it in one shot or uh, do you no. stop, stop halfway? I stop. I stop. And, um, you know, the, the weird thing is that how, how different each state feels. You know, you're in Texas and it's definitely one thing. You cross into New Mexico and everybody is taking the situation very seriously. Um, then you're getting into Arizona. It's kind of like the Wild West again. And then you get into California. It's just like <laughs> yeah. there's a de- there's definitely a different mood it, when you get out at gas stations. Yeah. And um, when you go to a hotel and it's uh, it's weird. Like the street, even right. like if you're on the highway would, in New Would you in, say Arizona in, and Texas are kind of... They're, I, they're more similar. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know that shit from playing Red Dead 2 and GTA 5. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> um Brit, were you consciously thinking at all about how like now that you can't get on the road to play shows, you're like finding a reason to put yourself on the road? I think that's I think there's something to that, you know. Um even you know, I used to do that drive between Texas and California. It felt like a few times a year. And since I've been in and I remember at the, the one of the last times I did it, thinking I'm never going to do that again. And now right. I'm so yeah. happy to do that. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful drive. The states are so beautiful, and uh, of New Mexico and Arizona, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just feels good to get out there and just feel like I'm I'm in the big wide world, you know. And I'm, when you've been in one place for a long time, there's something to that that really. I'm jealous of that. I mean, I got out to the country uh, last weekend, Devoika and I went. Uh, to go stay at uh, Tim's Tim Kingsbury's place outside of the city and just being out in nature and just even just stopping at a get like the the novelty of stopping at a gas station and buying snacks uh right reminded me of being on tour just getting out of the neighborhood and yeah. it was, it was it's kind good, of like right? a, yeah it's great and and I don't know just hearing about you driving a driving to Texas like I miss checking into a hotel in the desert, you know? <laughs> right. Hey, was that your, one of your first times to get out of Montreal? That was my first time to the get out of Montreal. first time? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I haven't left the city since... I hadn't left the city since March. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. It's insane. How's Tim? Tim is good. Um, Tim is Tim is Tim is living the quarantine life of a, of a farmer, basically. Did, a, did he ever finish that record? He did. He uh, he put the Sam Patch record out last year, I think, and oh, um, okay. I think he's got enough stuff for uh, for a new one. I gotta go check that out. Yeah, and he and uh, Dev and I have a have a band that's like Dev's band called uh, Stellium. That's kind of like a Krautrock psychedelic thing that we've been doing on and off. So yeah, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Always gonna, always gonna be in more bands. It's her band, but I'm just, I just play bass. Yeah, it's nice to play in someone else's band every now and then, right? Yeah, I think that was the good thing about. Let them figure it out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let them write the song. Let them uh, figure out the changes. 
Yeah, yeah, it's liberating to just be like a role player or something once in a while. I mean, that's part of why Dan and I worked together, you know, back in, when did, when did we start working together? 2011? 2011, when, yeah. Yeah, when we first, when you came to L.A. and stayed at my place, I think that was the very end of 2011. And that was my whole goal. Is like, I just want to be, you know, be in a band where I can listen to Dan sing and let Dan call the shots and I'll back him up, you know? Yeah, same for and me. We'll do some of my songs too, but totally. But, uh, it's it's a good feeling, like like just you know when we were doing Divine Fits sets, like being able to just play bass on "Would That Not Be Nice" and like watch the crowd and not have to think about singing is was just so liberating. <laughs> yeah, and to be able to do both in one set is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, highly. That's such a great bass line. Highly recommend uh, doing that if you're going to start a band. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the time, Dan, that's sort of your M.O. anyway. They're like with Wolf Parade, kind of splitting the albums down the middle with Spencer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Wolf Parade's a well, little... You, you know, it's, such it, a, it's a smart way to work. And ideally, you bring the best out of each other, right? I mean, that's what... The Clash would not have been The Clash if it hadn't... If there hadn't been both Mick Jones and Joe Strummer. Yeah. And Oh, we it, interviewed it, him a few weeks it, ago. It, really? <laughs> yeah, Joe Plummer. No, we did Pl Joe Plummer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different show, <laughs> yeah. you know. It mag it's a, it's a exponential uh, returns, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I guess in terms of speaking about like songwriting process stuff, uh, Britt, how has like quarantine affected your own process? Like, are you writing a bunch of stuff, or are you just like not in the mood to write stuff, or what's your what's your headspace? Uh, it's good to write, you know, and it's and it it's the the thing, the thing that makes me feel the most normal, other than those long drives, has been to to demo and and write tunes. And I had a a bunch of tunes that well, I, I had a lot of songs that I had lyrics for dating back the last couple years pre-COVID, right? But they they didn't have music or they had barely f some scraps of music. And I finished a bunch of those songs since this has, has happened. You know, it's been real productive. Nice. It's amazing. What about you? Me? Uh, I bet you've been productive. I've been... So, Dev and I started a Patreon for operators, which basically locked us into writing or at least releasing one... Minimum one song a month. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and I bought um, I bought the new Tascam, uh, like, Porta Studio model. They have this thing called the Model 12 that's, like, kind of like a digital 12-track, but, like, based on the based on the old Porta studio. Oh, cool. And that's been, and I, and I had a four track here for a while too. And that's been totally like liberating and having a, having a deadline every month to, uh, put out a piece of music that's like fully conceptualized has been really, really rad. Yeah, I bet. Without like shelving, you know, like, cause I'll build up a bunch of, like you were saying, like lyrics or, uh, musical motifs or whatever even just vibes and kind of catalog them until I have to record an album. But now, uh, it's, it's more just, it's more just like, okay, I've got a month to write a song or do like a good cover or, you know, whatever. And that's been, yeah, it's been good. Awesome. Yeah. Patreon's interesting in that way where it turns music somewhat more into the model of podcasting where like when you're doing a podcast, you're kind of like grinding out material every single week. And music doesn't, like, it's not really 
productive to do that. Like there's going to be diminishing returns if you do that, you know, but like one song a month is like an obtainable amount of stuff to do and not make it shitty. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think if you've been doing it for, I, I think if you're like a professional musician, you should be able to, you should be able to write a song a month. I mean, back in the, back in the sixties or like late fifties, sixties, people were cranking out like, I don't know. You know, an album in a week or two. Yeah, you do like. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Like the Beatles and shit. Yeah, you'll put you'll put out like two 14 song albums in a year back well, then. Bowie, yeah. Bowie's a good example of that. Like, uh, you know, the the amount of time that passed between Spiders from Mars and Lodger was not really that long. <laughs> yeah, and how many records was that? Like, no, uh, six or seven. Or six or seven albums with totally different. You know, there was a real artistic evolution that happened there, too. So, Actually, maybe there's something to it also that, like, in, like, the early 60s and everything, when people were cranking out albums really quick, they also didn't really have to tour that much because they were actually making money on album sales. Exactly. And it's ironic that, yeah. like, COVID has killed off touring. So now that musicians aren't touring, maybe that, like, the prolificness almost has to go back to the 60s style of releasing things more frequently, you know? More singles rather than albums, like, et cetera. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's bound to get that way when all the money is in touring and you can't make any money in records, then, you know, the, the importance of records slips away and then you, the re importance of recording and, like, what you, what you put into that kind of slips away. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but now we're... Now it's the only thing you can do, right? People should use the same methods for making album filler as in the 60s. Like doing three Chuck oh, Berry like cover, covers. Please, Mr. Postman. Yeah, cover that. Do yeah. Buddy Holly. Uh, uh, novelty songs. Bebopalula. Yeah. Just put that in the, in the middle of like a, a psychedelic folk album. Yeah. yeah. Completely straight cover. <laughs> I think there was less of a concept of a record lasting forever, you know, and being something that's on your record forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Back then it was just kind of like, it's just, it's, that's, that's what's happening this month, you know, and what's happening next month, you know? Yeah. It was, <laughs> and yeah. I think there was something healthy about that. I agree. It's true. Like that's, that's what emerged from like radio culture before everything was on vinyl and you were really just listening to the radio. Mm. It was ephemeral cause it was just going to go away when the radio stopped playing. Right. It. But then it's only like in the sixties when everyone got a record player and they started realizing like, oh, we should make something that lasts yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah. there's a reason they're called LPs. It's like long playing, you know, like uh, an anomaly at the time. And then FM radio, I think in the seventies totally changed that too. Like the fact that you could very easily just throw a 10 minute like prog rock epic on your, on your album. Yeah. I'm definitely still a believer that like, an album shouldn't be longer than one LP. Like, if your album's over 40 minutes, it better be, like, pretty fucking good. Right. Yeah, what's your take on that, Britt? I agree. It's got to be It's got to be something special. It's got to be the White Album Yeah. London Calling. I mean, it depends on what you're making the record for. Then, then there's also a case for metal machine music being made, right? Yeah. But, but, That's but true. generally, yeah. when it comes to pop music, yeah, you want a shorter... Um, Albums should be... Uh... They should be priced like pizza delivery. If it's too long, you get it for free. <laughs> it's over 40 minutes. You don't have to pay for it. <laughs> totally. I love it. <laughs> then you're opening the door, though, for Domino's to start delivering you albums that are like 20 minutes of pizza jingles. <laughs> yeah, totally. I want to hear that. Or a Waffle House CD that's like, yeah, 32 minutes of songs about hash browns. Yeah. 
all these uh, fast food places exploiting the fact that musicians don't have touring income. So they're like, oh, you want money? How about writing us a uh, pizza jingle? <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-mm, pizza. <laughs> Is that what your jingle would be, Britt? Yeah, that's my pizza jingle. Is that the whole song right there? Mm-mm, pizza? I think it's, it'd be a good song for our record, too. I mean, even despite this scenario we're playing out here. You know yeah. that that would get some sinks. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I can imagine it with like the sort of bouncy, ride cymbal heavy, like surf beat and a, and, and like a, a rolling bass line and the chorus of mm-mm pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and the song is under three minutes long. Yeah. I think I would want to, um, I mean, I'm thinking if it's called mm-mm, I want there to be some sound effects later on in the song of <laughs> Just eating the pizza. That should be the beat. That's a good idea. Like really aggressively panned, like panned all the way left and all the way right. <laughs> the hi-hats are slurping noises. Yeah. The kick <laughs> is a burp. Yeah. The snare is crunching into the crust. Oh my God. That's so annoying. Like put making like an actual like MIDI keyboard, like drum kit entirely out of those noises. Probably something the dirty projectors have done. Probably. <laughs> If, if Dirty Projectors did a song for Domino's Pizza, it would be like in like 15-8 time <laughs> and have all kinds of like weird hocketing vocals. How do we end up here? <laughs> um, Britt, were you planning to be in L.A. more than Austin before the pandemic hit or is that just kind of what happened based on the pandemic? I've been or? in Austin pretty much the whole time, but... Uh, oh, you mean what just, just now? Uh, no, I just, I just wanted to get out. I wanted to take the drive and... You know, it's August is a good time to get out of Texas. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Is there a noticeable difference in vibe, uh, just ambient vibe between being in L.A. during this and being in Austin? Like, how is Austin handling handling the pandemic, like, from your point of view? There are people that take it seriously. And then, you know, when I go to Zilker Park, you know, it, it's a totally different world. Um and I, th- I feel like they, at least uh, where I've been in L.A., it, it, people seem pretty freaked out. You know, everybody seems to be wearing a mask and and uh, lots of precautions. Um, yeah. Texas is it's very hot and cold on that, you know? Yeah, I guess especially Austin, too, which is kind of like the liberal. So the, right, the exactly. Li- liberal enclave in Texas, but you still get... We're, we're kind of seeing the same thing here in Montreal where... You know, uh, today we had a march of a couple of thousand Quebecers just stomping through the streets with upside down Canadian flags saying we don't want to wear masks. Right. Essentially. Essentially. And like reopen everything. Um, Right. And to a certain extent, like the city, like this city runs on nightlife uh, in a lot of ways, like Montreal, you know, it's it's a cafe, bar, nightclub city. And they did try reopening, and it caused a massive spike in COVID cases. So, you know, when was that? That was like over the last two months. They the, right, and then they went back. And then they went. Yeah, there's been more restrictions. So there was a big march today, and you really get the sense that it's less about health and more people who are who are trying to get across a political idea, which mm-hmm. is which is that they hate the city government and they hate the federal government. And they want to separate, you know, right. so the COVID stuff is almost, it's just a vehicle for them to, to well, get. There's always been a, there's always been a lot of that in Montreal, right? 
of people yeah. that wanted to separate? Yeah, yeah. It, it, Quebec is weird in that Montreal's like the most liberal kind of multicultural city in in the province, but you still have that strain of uh, hmm. extremely like nationalistic uh, uh, separatist French Canadians hmm. here. So those two sides are kind of butting up against each other over COVID. There's already a country that's only French people. It's France. Yeah, I thought you were going to say uh, <laughs> uh, Belgium, but yeah, France, right. Go back. That's right. We're sending them back. <laughs> France. Why do they resent the federal government when it's run by uh, a Quebecois Frenchman? He's a, he's a crypto anglophone. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because the other provinces resent him and the federal government, like Alberta, because he gives too much money to the eastern provinces, and he's too French. That's right. So everyone hates him. Yeah, it's a, it's an impasse. Like uh, he's universally hated. Hmm. But he keeps getting reelected. Yeah. No, he's only been elected once, right? No, twice. Ah, oh, God. Yeah, he like barely held on in yeah, that yeah. second election, right? Time has kind of ceased to exist for me. I, yeah, I don't know. I hope that, that maybe Amazon will just take over Canada and then, and then we won't have any more elections, you know, <laughs> just, we could just be the shipping and distribution center for, for you guys. And, uh, we'll all have jobs and everything will be fine. <laughs> me and Alex should have a Canadian politics podcast where we have no idea what we're talking about. Like, I don't know how many times did he get elected? Uh, twice <laughs> yeah. maybe, uh, Rob Ford is still president of Canada, yeah. or the king, or whatever they yeah. have. Grand Chancellor of Canada. Rob Ford changed his name to Doug Ford. Well, they have that old lady on their coins, their loonies and toonies. I think that's the the prime minister. It was the original prime minister. Oh, that was like their George Washington. The queen was the first prime minister. Yeah. I think actually, Dan, your uh, pizza song should be, uh, it only cost a loony and a toonie. Yeah. <laughs> For, yeah, I could do that for the uh, uh, Canada's... For pizza, pizza. Yeah, Canada's terrible version of Domino's, pizza, pizza. What is a loony and a toonie? What does that come out to? That, that three comes bucks. out to three it's, bucks, A loony is a $1 coin and a toonie <laughs> is a $2 coin. Yeah, I guess yeah. You, could get a, uh, you could get a frozen pizza for that price, because American, that would be, what, like five bucks? That's reasonable. Not amazing. Yeah, super reasonable. But it rhymes. Totally it is pathetic reasonable. that can Canadians just deal with having currency called loonies and toonies. No, Somehow we, everyone's okay with that. We love it. We we started it and we love it because it makes us different. <laughs> we we think it's cool. <laughs> really too bad. Maybe we should move on to non-pizza themed music here. I wanted us to listen to a few things on YouTube because I feel like... Um, Britt, one of the things that you're best at in Spoon is just having, like, really interesting arrangements, you know? Like, especially, right. like going back to, like, Kill the Moonlight, especially, it's just, like... Dan was just telling me that, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, like, super well thought out. Um, interesting choices that somehow work that aren't, like, the obvious choice for arrangements, I guess. All right. So Thanks. I think we should listen to some just ridiculous uh, YouTube shit, and we can comment on the arrangements. Okay. I'm down. Um, sh should we... Uh, you got stuff queued up? We got stuff queued up. Yeah. Uh, Charles, do you want to give Britt like the backstory on uh, Dr. John D. Acapinti? Acapinti? Yeah. So, I mean, he's just some, uh, you know, all his videos say, I'm an 80 year old guy writing with my keyboard or whatever. And he's just like, you know, a big uh, 
Trump-brained conservative uh, songwriter guy. But his arrangements are just so insane because he's clearly not a professional, and I don't know how he ended up where he did. And how did you find this guy? Is he big? Um, it was someone who listens to this show just showed it to us. Uh-huh. Um, I have no idea where they found it, but like all his videos have like 20 views. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's another guy just like, like some this random called guy. Trade Martin, who's he has a lot of the same quirks as this guy, but he's actually an accomplished uh, session musician. He wrote a song for Dusty Springfield in the 60s, and he played on uh, yeah. Isley Brothers records. And this guy is like the next version of that that's even weirder and more detached. He's more like lots of musicians are self-taught, but he's like really self-taught. Right. All right. I can't wait. All right. Let's let's uh, throw this one on. Here's this uh, song about standing with the NRA. Hey, Mr. Terrorist, we want you to know that all of your hatred has got to go. This is going to get to the NRA. In America, we stand and fight and God we trust with all our might. Don't confuse me for our leaders, I say. They are just as blind as you today. The backing we tracks sound like being at a county fair and hearing like the music in a malfunctioning ride going we off in the distance. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> what do you call that? Like the Doppler effect or whatever when like a car goes by and you hear the music yeah. that they're playing. And also there. there's like a demolition there. derby going on next to it. Am I, am I listening to the same thing? I'm, I'm hearing a parrot. Oh, oh you've really? been hearing the parrot yeah. video the whole time? Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> That's why I was like, I have no problem with this. And how is this going to get to the NRA? Yo, this stupid <laughs> fucking I'm still, bird. You guys aren't hearing this? You're That's not hearing the, that. I just restarted it. Are you seeing this now? I'm hearing a parrot talk to Alexa. I'm, I'm very glad that happened. <laughs> oh, no. And you thought that we were uh, roasting this stupid for bird a, in a viral video. For a second. Roasting the parrot. Right. It's the built-in video. Okay, now that, uh, I see up. something that, yeah, I see, I see we will stand with the NRA now. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay. Now let's start this it This bird over has such a poor <laughs> understanding of harmony. <laughs> this bird doesn't know how to mix a record. I'd like to hear that bird collaborate with John Acapinti. They should collaborate with the bird from Hatebeat. Hey, Mr. Terrorist, we want you to know that all of your hatred has got to go. Britt, what would be your guess of, like, how does he get that vocal effect? Well, that's... That's... I don't know. Is it a vocoder or a harmonizer? That's what we've been debating. Maybe it is a vocoder. Like, at first, I was originally thinking it was probably a plug-in, but now I'm thinking it might be, like, a hardware kind of thing. Like a, like a TC Helicon pedal or something like that? Yeah, like just Yeah, some... he paid $20,000 for the very first harmonizer pedal that ever came out <laughs> in 1974. I'm curious about that choice. I'm curious about the choice of using this harmonizer or vocoder or whatever it is. Hey, doesn't that take away from the seriousness? Exactly, right? Like, he's somehow unaware. He's like unaware of that, you know? That's why it's so fascinating. And almost every video he posts, he proudly states that uh, he's doing three part harmony. Really? Yeah, which I think is just a single voice. Yeah, that's gotta be. Um... That's got to be a lie. This sounds like. Hey, 
grace. We are freedom. The video is a little repetitive. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, gotta stop his, looking at it. The pictures are really <laughs> like they're doing the opposite of what they're supposed to do. There's a very close-up picture of uh, what was the NRA guy's name? The head of the NRA. Wayne something? Oh, Wayne Lapierre. Yeah, it's just a close-up of his yellow-ass crooked teeth zooming out. It's all pixelated. Yeah, he's making the opposite point that he thinks There's a picture of a very sure. red Ted Nugent looking insane. Yeah, and it's shown it like five times already. Tom Selleck. Am I seeing Tom Selleck? Yeah, Oliver Tom North. Selleck. Oliver North. And who's that other guy? Is that... I don't know. Today because we're freedoms. So that's Wayne LaPierre again. Yeah. Right. It's amazing that completely unintentionally he's made the worst possible case for the NRA. He's just associating <laughs> it with audio and visual just repellent nightmare. W. That's that's what makes his, his music so great is that it comes across, it's like accidentally ironic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like those nightmare sounding vocals, just like, we're the freedom surface place. Yeah, I think he should rethink the use of the harmonizer. Um, the vocal's a little <laughs> loud on the track. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and definitely. I, they could use a solo, you know? Because it's just yeah. kind of nonstop vocal the entire time, right? I wonder how it sounds in mono. Ooh, that's an interesting question. It would be cool if somehow it sounded perfect in mono. I mean, there's got to be so much shit that's way out of phase that it would just like disappear in mono. I think the uh, I think the solo thing is a good point. I mean, I think we've heard maybe one Acapinti song that has a solo in it, and it's just nightmarish MIDI saxophone. <laughs> yeah, it was like clearly played on like a MIDI keyboard and super out of time. But I agree. He's, he's got to break up the giant blocks of vocals. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I li earlier this week I was listening to uh, Kill the Moonlight, Brit, and um, on uh, Don't Let It Get You Down, you did like the hard pan vocals to the left. And right. I was like, oh, it's just like John Acapinti. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he got that from me. Maybe you inspired him. I, that was really a, a thing where like the, I didn't think that the song was sounding great and in order to give it some kind of style we we hard panned everything just to it just didn't, i didn't think it was working as good as as well as some of the other tunes on there and this is one way we can make it i don't know interesting yeah i think it, i think it's cool to do stuff like that like especially in like the early 2000s i feel like there's a handful of people sort of experimenting with that cuz uh the example that always comes to my mind is jesus etc by wilco uh mm. Jim O'Rourke just like hard panned the drums and bass and stuff like very early 60s style and it totally works. Right. Yeah. It takes like it takes a certain amount of guts to do that. But if you only do it here and there, then it works. You know, right. if you did like a whole album like that, people would be like, all right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gotta it's gotta it's gotta be a treat, you know? Like it's gotta stick out. I've I am working on like a new operator song that's basically I don't know, Brett, you remember the, the Memory Man deluxe pedal? Yeah. That... Yeah, yeah, I've got one right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at... Yeah, classic I'm at, pedal. I'm looking at mine, but um, just basically doing the vocals through that and then um, hard panning the, the wet and dry signal. Right, uh, that's a good trick. Oh, nice. And it sounds, yeah, it sounds rad. Prince did that on uh, Pop Life. Oh, no way. Yeah, 
which is pretty far out because that was a that was a single, you know, and a pretty big one. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's completely hard panned the delay and the and the source. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I'm sure some A and R guy hated that, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, was it? Isn't the famous story with Prince is that he brought Kiss in to play for the the label, and somebody complained about there not being bass on it because there is right. no bass on that song. Yeah, they're just like, where's the bass? He's like, doesn't need bass. It's got the Lindrum. It's got guitar. It's got his vocals. Yeah, yeah. he did a few. Like when Doves Cry has no bass. Um, I think. Sign of the Times has no bass. Um, yeah, when Doves Cry is a very out, cool it's, arrangement. It's so much of it is just implied. Right. Yeah. But, but if you're a record guy and you've got a checklist of all the things that a record should have to get on the radio, <laughs> it's it's missing a very big one, right? It's a yeah, very it's obvious a key one. To, element. Right. It's an obvious one to point out and and uh, make it look like you know what you're doing with your job. But but, but yeah. it does have Prince. Right. If you got Prince, you don't need bass anymore. Probably back then people wouldn't notice because radio sounded really shitty unless you had a great stereo. Honestly, I don't think I noticed when I heard it on the radio and I was however old I was, 10, 10, 11 years old. People were listening to it on the worst headphones of all time when consumer headphones were just like such a narrow band of frequencies. You could only hear treble. People probably imagined there was bass. Oh, it sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, maybe we should listen to Trade Martin now. Like uh, you were saying, Alex, he's like, he has the same... Trump brain, but he was actually, he played on like some Isley Brothers records and shit, so he's an actual musician at least. He played session guitar on the original Twist and Shout. Wow. So in a sense, he inspired the Beatles. And this is where he ended up. to thumb my nose at victims and heroes <laughs> screw those guys that's another thing uh trade martin and john occupanti have in common is how clunky and like childish the lyrics are almost they always rhyme the most obvious word with the other most obvious word you know i mean off the top of my head i would say the backing vocals need to go on this tune <laughs> Yeah, they're so cheesy. Yeah, he's doing ad-libs. Like, whoa, whoa. They're undercutting the seriousness of his stupid point because it's just like such, like, I don't know, childish shit. Yeah, he sounds so enthused about it. This is how Bin Laden felt watching it on the news. (laughs) He's got, like, snaps in there and triangles. Yeah, the arrangement's actually like pretty lush. It's a bunch of random crap, but it all sounds like 80s like stock sounds. This is definitely the pet sounds of uh, Trump brain self-produced music. <laughs> so yeah, the whoa yes just really take it out of the realm of seriousness. <laughs> And it's also just so major key that like thousands of Americans died. Like, you know, you would think that you could uh, come up with a more somber melody. Yeah, it's like from a shitty action movie in the 80s. 
Like the theme from an early Steven Seagal movie or something. It's got uh, truck commercial vibes. Yeah. Silverado. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Like mid-90s truck commercial. Wow. Yeah, they don't make truck commercials like they used to. <laughs> wow. Well, I gotta say that was a step up from the last one, right? <laughs> Def- definitely. If yeah. I, yeah. If I had any complaints, it's that the um, the there's a lot of breaks in the beat, you know, where the the drums stop and he's having like a breakdown moment. It kept happening yeah. over and over again. Yeah, that's a good. I want to wanna feel. I want to feel him just like keep going with it for a while. Yeah, settle but into a us, groove, Trey. Right. <laughs> yeah, and he also just had those moments where it cuts to like a clip of someone talking. Right. It's like, come on, man. I hate when you do that in the middle of a song. It's like you could have like an intro or an outro or whatever, but don't like, don't make us do deal with that. I never really considered the structure of this song. I've probably heard it 50 times and I never <laughs> realized it's basically just a chorus and then a, like a two bar pre-chorus and that's all it is. I don't think there's a verse. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do love, personally love a song that's all chorus. You can, you can kind of get away with, uh, or I guess I love a song that's just two chords and a verse and a chorus. But, yeah, uh, you need a little more variation here. Yeah. Does this guy have more plays? Like, is he, is he a bigger, a bigger deal? I think this video in particular went viral. Did it? This one went viral because it was like so absurd and everyone's just making fun of it. Huh. Yeah, this one has like a quarter million views for that reason. Oh and it's God. all like down votes, you know. But then his other songs, like nobody except me and Alex listens to them. <laughs> we just like to punish <laughs> ourselves. So. The way he's dropping all those samples in there, people, t- it's kind of Paul Hardcastle, you know? Yeah. You know, it's contemporary in the 80s. Yeah, totally. Look yellow. Uh, almost like, like, a, like a more positive version of Skinny Puppy. <laughs> it is really funny though that like I, I think we kind of touched on this in the John Acapinti episode, but it's funny that like this guy was in actual bands in the '60s, and yet he's stuck in the '80s. Like he just didn't leave the '80s ever, even though it's you know 40 years have gone by. Yeah, yeah, I think that happened to a lot of. Um, we talked about this uh, on the Acapinti episode, but I think that happened to a lot of people where they they went through the '60s and maybe didn't even really absorb any of the sort of psychedelic influences and then when the 80s rolled around and 50s music became popular again they got stuck in that mode and stayed there you know that 80s 50s retro thing Mm. yeah and it's like what we talked about in the occupancy one that it's sort of political for these kind of guys too it's like the reagan nostalgia is like what they like about it yeah it always goes back to the late 50s early 60s and the 80s these guys yeah. were in stasis during the 70s and the 90s and the 2000s. They're like locusts. Every 15 years, they surface. <laughs> cicadas, that's it, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, here's one. We're going to go to the other side of the political aisle, I think. I'm pretty sure these guys are like anti-Trump, right, it seems? Yeah, these are like MSNBC devs. This, this is more just... Um, having fun. These are just how these guys are killing time during COVID is making their little wacky parody videos. But what makes their arrangements interesting is that they're doing it all over a Zoom call. So it's just a complete, they have no way of like syncing up in time with each other. Hmm. 
the security wouldn't one. Wouldn't it be nice if it were summer and we knew the COVID threat was gone? Well, now that I'm hearing this again, I realize they say, wouldn't it be nice if it would be summer? And it is fucking summer. And it's worse. Donald Trump says it will get much better. I like the guy harmonizing going, oh. The loudest thing is that bongo. I know. He's just tapping on a big bongo drum, and none of the bass is rolled off, so it's just booming through the mix. Wow. I almost missed Trade Martin. Yeah, I was gonna say this is definitely the most difficult one for me. Uh, <laughs> it gets worse and worse too. Like as they go along, they just get more off time. Why did he overdub the bongo drum? <laughs> I never really noticed that. I guess it just sort of faded into the cacophony. But it's a pre-made backing track, and the only instrument he decided to add was the bongo drum tapped out of time. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Oh, I think this is where they get really confused because I think the bridge like throws them all off and just no one's together anymore. The bongo keeps going. Uh oh. Ah. God, it's so insane. <laughs> Stuff just keeps popping in and out. Like recordings of different songs. <laughs> it's questionable whether this is a song anymore. <laughs> no, it's mostly on the way to static. Wow. That was punishing, guys. <laughs> That's not even the whole thing. <laughs> so what was the point of this one? It was it was that uh, we all why don't we just say screw it? I think the point doesn't come across very well because it's not very good. They're <laughs> liberals, I'm pretty sure. They're mad about COVID. Um, they want it to be summer. Right. They just don't like COVID. It's this one guy who's obsessed with not liking COVID, and he's done about a hundred of these songs. Hmm. With just really <laughs> thrown together lyrics, and none of them take off at all. Tom found this guy somehow, and we're the only people and that watch all, his videos. Are they all like Zoom uh, performances like this? This is one of the few where he's doing a collaboration, I think. Mm -hmm. Most of them are just him, which means it's a little more in sync. You gotta appreciate that he's uh, genuinely innovating, like the music process you don't need to know what you're doing you don't need a daw you don't need any kind of conventional recorder just get on zoom and sing out of time this this video just i, I was just reminded that um death grips famously did a performance at south by southwest where uh the drummer zach uh they had him like via skype and it blew people's minds <laughs> Was it like lagging constantly or did it actually work? I mean, it's death grips. So it sounded like I just saw a video of it. I wasn't, I wasn't there that year, but, um, but it, 
Yeah, it just sounded like noise with like it was yeah, it was like a rough version of Death Grips, I guess. But there were so many articles written around that, I feel like, or people commentary around that being like so dystopian, it's so like futuristic. And then a few years later, <laughs> yeah, the get, security boys are the taking security it to boys new doing something argue, that I would argue is more abrasive than Death Grips. <laughs> it is. They're very on the tip and, of the spear in that way. Yeah. Right I after think all Death these Grips, songs we've listened to are more. These guys are listening to a lot of Death Grips, and they're taking inspiration and they're pushing it into the mainstream. <laughs> it's hard to critique this arrangement because it's just a bongo and a bunch of vocals. I think they need a new mixer. They need a new mix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try to mix this a little better. Try to stay on time. Think yeah. about getting... They think they're Prince without a bass, but they could maybe use uh, any instrument besides bongo. Carol yeah. Kay is still Fellas, alive. Let's, let's talk about the fundamentals of rhythm, gang. I have just... I want to put on just one more short video. I feel like somehow it relates in a way. Bang! Hit it, Joe! This is just some guy in his house who has this big contraption like built in there. This I like. <laughs> Yeah, this is cool. Huel Hauser. He looks so angry while he's playing this. It's like he's fighting with it. Yeah, he's feeling it. Yeah, he feels like he's a train conductor getting to just like pull on all these knobs and shit. So that's a player piano organ and then he's playing his own stuff on top of it. Yeah, and I think he's got foot pedals that I think go to like some of the drum mm. things. Yeah, he's got a, almost a whole drum kit behind glass there, like a, at least like a kick drum and a snare. What do you think he's picturing while he does this? He's got to be imagining a cartoon. Looney Tunes. Spike Jones. He's imagining Bugs Bunny in a hula dress. <laughs> See, he's got the most competent arrangement of anything we've listened to. It's really busy, but it's all in time. He's the master. He's the master of this instrument. That was beautiful. Yeah, that guy's talented. Yeah. Do you guys get this Spike Jones vibe off of that at all? You know, the old Spike Jones? You know, oh, you know? definitely. <laughs> I got a Spike Lee vibe. <laughs> I feel like... Watching that, I feel like he he's playing it as if he. It's almost like if he does something wrong, the machine is gonna kill him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so frantic. Even though yeah. he plays it yeah. as cartoon, I would believe that there's a rifle pointed at the back of his head. <laughs> My favorite thing about this though is like you look around the room he's in, and it's clearly just like a living room. He's got like these curtains, and it's like carpeted and shit. So I just imagine like his wife hating this fucking <laughs> gigantic <laughs> instrument. Like, are you playing that thing again? <laughs> Yeah, you walk into his house and you see the piano in the living room. It's like, oh. And then you just keep looking and it's a hundred feet of drums mounted on all these like weird metal uh, fabrications he has. Yeah. I think, um, Britt, before we get out of here, the last thing I'm thinking is which one of these guys we've watched would you want to have to have a band with if you had to choose one of them? Definitely this last guy. What's his name? Um, let me see again. It said in the beginning. It was German, right? <laughs> it has to be. Well, this, anyway, this last guy. I admire his spirit. Um, he's a dynamic performer. Oh, there we go. Huel Hauser. Yeah, you could just have like a two-piece band because his thing is so busy. 
It's just like you on vocals and him doing everything. Yeah. It's just lay back and sing. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Does you, this... you could you could do the Looney Tunes version of suicide, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want uh, music critics to write about how you're using Zoom in interesting new ways, you could have the security boys doing backing vocals through Zoom. True. It would fit pretty well with does this. Does this guy, does he, ha does he have a lot of... Uh... Views, I can't see that. Like, is this guy, do people appreciate him? Um, let me check. He should be appreciated. Oh, yeah. That video has half a million views. Good. That's, that's good. good. I'm for happy him. for him. You could easily yeah. put that automatic harmonizer over this. Because it's mostly just like yeah. one to the seven or to the, uh, the five yeah. seven. I want to hear an Akapinti Hauser mashup. I like his MC too, the guy that introduces him. Yeah, hit if it, he can Joe. operate all these levers, he could easily operate a laptop with a Zoom call going. Absolutely. <laughs> Dan, you got to uh, get this guy a, a record deal at Sub Pop. <laughs> yeah. I'll send it. I'll send this to Jonathan and just tell him this is the future. This is it. Send you him know. all these guys. Hauser Hauser only has a few years left. You know, you gotta you gotta get him while he's at the peak of his abilities. We need a revival yeah. of Steamboat music. <laughs> yeah, that guy's going to lead the charge. And uh, Brit is going to be right there with him, capitalizing on it and starting a new band with him. So, so I can claim him. You know, is that what you're saying? You guys yeah. don't want to claim yeah. him? No, he's all yours. Yeah, he's yours. D Dan, when was the last time I saw you? I know it, I know it was at the uh, Wolf Parade show at the Mohawk in Austin, but would, when was that? Uh, it was late January, mid-January. Of I this think. year? Yeah. Holy moly. Right? Yeah, my, my impression of time is... That's probably about right, because I saw you, Dan, in mid-February at the Chicago show on that tour. Yeah, that's right. And what was what was the last so, show you played? Oh no, well, I guess it would have been mid. It, it would have been February because Chicago was was Chicago early in that tour or later. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, it would have been before the Chicago show. The last show we played was New York City, uh -huh. and and then we were uh, and then we canceled our European tour because we were terrified that we would get stuck in the UK. When was that supposed to start? That was supposed to start uh, early March, right around the uh, time things. Right, right. Right around the time the world had an oh shit moment, you know? Yeah, that was an interesting moment because you guys canceled about one week before every other band canceled. Yes. So when we, you guys we got, did it, it was just like, oh, like some people were, like you said some uh, European like van rental people and shit were being like really shitty to you about it. Yeah, yeah, we basically got called pussies by the van rental company, um, who later, who a few weeks later would have no less than three bands stranded in various parts of Europe, mm. including Italy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, people were not happy. Like the ticket uh, ticket sellers, a handful of promoters were kind of shitty about it, but mainly just the the kind of backline and van world uh we're we're really upset that we were canceling and uh, you know like basically tried to charge us like full price plus penalties for canceling the tour um it was really weird it was a weird time and i'm glad uh i'm glad that part of it is just over <laughs> right yeah i'm glad you're safe yeah likewise i mean did you guys brett did you guys cancel touring that you had planned out for no we didn't have anything summer and no, we were just, just uh, we were getting towards the end of making a record in March. Um, right. Not, you know, like a couple songs away. Uh, yeah. So, it, so we didn't have any shows planned. We were just kind of 
trying to figure trying to finish that up. Um, I think we canceled one show, but that, that was yeah. it. Yeah. We had some festival shows for uh, June and July that, I mean, as soon as things got bad, I knew that those shows weren't happening, but people were really holding on to the bitter end. Like the mm. festival promoters in, in Portugal just kept kind of insisting that the festival that clearly wasn't going to happen was going to happen, you know? Right. And yeah, they're so just I, like diluted by the financial incentive of like, it better get better because otherwise we're screwed, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just the thing. I mean, the festivals are like uh, a bit of a, I, th I feel like festivals are a bit of a gamble as it is. And there's just so much money on the line. So I get it, but yeah. Yeah, well, uh, Britt, I'm glad you stopped by. Yeah, it's good to talk to you guys. Yeah, good to talk to you too, man. Yeah, um, good talking to you. And uh, I look forward to seeing your uh, two-piece Looney Tunes band in the future. Yeah, thanks for turning me on to that guy. I appreciate that. Everybody, <laughs> everybody needs a little bit of inspiration every now and then. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.